Amen. You may be seated. Once again, thank you for being here this morning. We are continuing the journey that we began a few weeks ago in the book of Second Peter. This morning we're going to be finishing uh, chapter 2 of the book of Second Peter. We're going to begin with verse 10b, the last part of verse 10, and continue through the end of the chapter, which is verse 22. So I encourage you, go ahead now and find that uh, in your Bible, Second Peter 2, beginning with verse 10. And while you are making your way there, I just want to remind you of a couple of things before we read the Word this morning. The book of Second Peter was written by Peter, and it was written shortly before Peter was martyred, somewhere near um, the end of that period, AD 60 to AD 67, right before he was martyred. And then there is an overall theme that we see um, appear throughout the book of Second Peter, and it's this, that believers should continue faithfully in the truth as we await for Jesus to come back at his second coming. Let me say that one more time. As believers, we should continue faithfully in the truth as we wait for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And perhaps this morning you hear me say that and you may, maybe there's somebody this morning that's asking the question, how do I know the truth? How do I know what the truth is? Let me just tell you right at the very beginning, this is the truth. This book is the truth. The book that many of you are holding in your hands right now, it is the inspired and the inerrant Word of God. It is the truth. Are you immersing yourself in it? I hope the answer to that is yes. We're going to be talking a little bit about that in detail here in just a few minutes. And something just went down my throat, I believe. (laughs) All right. With With that out of the way... I want to invite you, if you are physically able to stand right now, would you stand with me just as our way of honoring the reading of God's Word? Beginning with verse 10b of chapter 2. Remember, last week Peter began to deal with false teaching. That's still where we are today. So our text begins this morning by Peter saying, Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boast of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. 
For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather this morning as a body of believers. Father, thank you for the reading of your holy word. And Father, now, as we take a step into this scripture this morning, Lord, I pray that I will preach it correctly and completely. Lord, I pray that I will point them directly to you and to the cross. Father, I pray that you will do the exceedingly abundantly in this place today, more than our minds can think to even ask or imagine. Lord, may you do it today. May you save the lost. May you set the captive free. May you break the chains of addiction. May you break the chains of anything that bind us. And what I pray that you will reign supreme in this place today. Lord, may you be glorified. And it's in, in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, you might remember that last week we were talking about the danger of false teaching. That is exactly what we're continuing to talk about this morning. It would have been wonderful if we had had enough time last week to cover chapter 2 in its entirety, but we just could not do that last week for the sake of time and to do chapter 2 justice. But if you will remember last week, Peter began to expose the false teachers. And what we're going to see in our text this morning is that he keeps right on with that, except this morning, we are going to see in our, in our text that his intensity to expose these false teachers increases. You heard me say several times last week, if you heard the sermon, that false teaching always has been, dif- it always has been dangerous, it always will be dangerous. And you're going to hear me say that throughout the sermon today. False teaching is dangerous in living in the world that we live in today, we really have no excuse to fall to false teaching. We've got the Word of God. We need to study it and know what it says. But as we begin this morning, there in verse 10b, Peter tells us that these teachers are bold and they are willful. Now, you probably remember that last week I made a comment that sometimes false teaching is not intentional. Sometimes it's accidental. Sometimes somebody might say something they don't even realize that they've said. Maybe they've got caught up in the moment and they say something they didn't even mean to say. Or perhaps they've interpreted a scripture incorrectly. But at the end of the day, false teaching, just like I said last week, it is still exactly that. It's false teaching. But I want to make sure that we realize these false teachers that Peter is exposing, it is definitely intentional. He tells us that these people are both bold, they are willful, they are not even trying to be secretive. They're not trying to be sly about it. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? 
And I think the answer to that question is yes, if we've got our eyes open. In our society today, we can definitely imagine that. Let me give you an example of when we see false teaching occurring today. Anytime, anytime that someone who professes to be a Christian acts like something that the Bible clearly identifies as sin, if that person acts like there's just nothing wrong with that, that's false teaching, folks. That is false teaching. We've got to stand on the Word of God. We have got to stand on it. And can I remind you this morning, sometimes our silence says a whole lot. Sometimes our silence screams loudly. We've got to know the truth. We've got to tell the truth. We cannot keep silent. Now, yes, we have got to speak the truth in love, but that does involve speaking the truth. Are we doing that this morning? Going back to our text, these people are bold and willful. They are arrogant. These people don't, ex- they don't respect anybody, and not one thing appears to restrain them at all. These false teachers, they don't have any genuine concern for those that are hearing. Think of it this way. If they did, they wouldn't be doing it. These people know what they're doing. The false teachers in our text today, they know exactly what they're doing. If they had any concern for the people that were hearing, they wouldn't be teaching falsely in the first place. In fact, our text that's on the screen right now, it tells us that they're not even afraid to slander the angels. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the boldness of a false teacher who is not even hesitant to slander the angels? That's who we're dealing with this morning. That's the boldness, that's the arrogance of this group of false teachers. Now, make no mistake about it, the angels were higher. They were mightier than this group of false teaching. They could have done something about it. But they give us, they give us a really good example here of how we are to respond. You know, we don't always have to strike back, do we? We don't always have to strike back. Our text tells us that the angels, in their might and power, they do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against these false teachers before the Lord. Now, what a mighty, what a mighty example. Look at verse 12. He goes on to describe these false teachers. He says, but these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant. And I want to stop right there for just a moment and give you an example, an illustration. And I want to focus on the irrational animals for just a minute. Now, at our house, we've got two pets. We've got a dog that I dearly love, and we've got a cat that I can tolerate on most days. (laughs) That's just the way it is. On most days, I can tolerate the cat. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Keep it coming. So, but I do, I do love the cat. I'm thankful for the cat. I'm just more thankful for the dog. (laughs) I am. That's just the way it is. But back to the irrational animals Our dog is much, much bigger than the cat. Like, I don't know how many times the size of, I mean, five or six times the size of our cat. Now, you would think by looking at those two animals, 
that the dog would control the cat. But that is not the way it goes. That is not the way it goes. On most days, that cat can get the dog to do anything that the cat wants to do. The dog's afraid of the cat. Is that rational? No. It's not, it's not rational at all. But let me tell you something. That's the reality of it. That is the reality of it. Is it rational that any of us would succumb to false teaching? No. It's not. We have no excuse to give in to false teaching. But will people do it? Yes, they will. They will believe what they want to hear. And if someone proclaims something that sounds better, sounds easier, a lot of people will just simply believe what that person says and never check the Word of God to see whether or not it's true. We have no excuse for that. We have no excuse to fall to false teaching. Now, when we look at verses 13 and 14, Peter goes into detail about what these um, false teachers are doing. But he tells them, he tells them in verse 13 that there is a wage for their wrongdoing. And can I tell you this morning, there is. There is a wage for the wrongdoing. These false teachers, they're going to suffer for it. They will. The day is coming when they will suffer for that. But at the point of the actual false teaching, they're probably not thinking about that, nor do they even care. They're interested in their own selfish agenda, their own selfish needs. But I'm going to tell you, those false teachers, just like the Scripture says this morning, the day is coming when they are going to eventually be destroyed. Now, these people, they are trying to cover up the darkness. And Adam, I appreciated the example that you gave this morning where Jesus tells us that He is the light of the world and in Him there is no darkness at all. Jesus will expose the darkness. He is going to. And as Christians, that is wonderful news. However, if you are living with darkness in your life, can I tell you something in love this morning? It's going to be exposed. It will be exposed. The only question is when. It might not be until you stand before Jesus face to face, but it might be much sooner than that. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Our text tells us that these false teachers have eyes full of adultery. They're insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. Does that sound like somebody that would be interested that would be concerned with your best interest? And the answer to that is no. And perhaps this morning when you see the phrase that I have got circled, they entice unsteady souls, you might ask the question. Perhaps somebody is asking the question this morning, so how would someone's soul be classified as unsteady? How could my soul be unsteady? Well, there are a multitude of ways that I could answer that. And I'm going to give you just a few examples. Perhaps one is being lukewarm in your faith. If you are lukewarm in your faith, you are at risk of having a soul that is unsteady. 
Perhaps another example would be not truly studying the Bible, God's Word, to know what it says. If you don't do that, if you don't take that responsibility seriously, your soul could be classified as unsteady. And can I tell you, if your soul is classified as unsteady, you are at a high risk of falling for false teaching. Be wise. Study the Word of God. Now, these false teachers had gone astray, as our, as our Scripture says. And it says they have followed the way of Balaam. Now, I want to just ask you a question. When you think of Balaam, what do you typically think of? The donkey that talked, right? That's, that's what we think of. And just to bring us all up to date to the same page, his donkey did talk. Remember, he was with the donkey, and the donkey's eyes... God allowed the donkey's eyes to see things that Balaam's eyes did not see. And it wouldn't proceed. And it made Balaam, well, let me, was Balaam happy or sad? Mad. <laughs> mad. He was mad. And he punished the donkey, didn't he? And then what happened after the donkey t- talked? Well, the donkey talked after he punished him. I answered my own question. Do you think that would have got your attention? If a donkey... If an animal could speak to you with words that you could understand, would that not get our attention? It got his. It got his attention, and rightfully so. But can I tell you something? There was way more to the story of Balaam than what I've just said, than what I've just described. Let me, let me tell you just a little bit more about this man we know as Balaam, whose donkey talked. Balaam was supposed to be a prophet of God. But he had a problem. He loved money more than he loved God. Imagine that. In fact, Balaam was willing to seek fortune and fame instead of choosing to obey God. Now, one of the things that Balaam did was that he taught immorality. Did you know that? That sounds like a false prophet to me, doesn't, doesn't it, to you? But even with all of that, guess what he couldn't do? He could not escape from the wrath of God. And neither can we. Neither can we. Peter reminds the readers of that here in the text today. And as a result, we are reminded of the foolishness of Balaam. Please don't let that be you. Please don't let that be you. Now, these teachers, these false teachers are described as waterless springs and mist driven up by a storm. Do those things, do the waterless springs and do mist that are driven up by a storm, do they really do much to satisfy? They don't, do they? If you were thirsty, if you were truly thirsty... You are not going to get any water to drink to nourish you out of a out of a spring. It doesn't have any water in it. We're, we wouldn't. Nor would we get any nourishment from a mist that's driven up by a storm. But that's exactly how Peter describes these false teachers. These false teachers couldn't even promise. They couldn't even deliver on what they had promised. And then he tells us, for them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Remember, punishment's coming. Punishment's coming, and you've heard me say many times before, 
that every human will spend their eternity in one of two places, either heaven or hell. Either heaven or hell. The choice is up to us. Which have you selected for your life? Are you, have you entered the wide gate, the one that's easy, the one that there, its path e- leads to hell? Or have you entered through that narrow gate that is difficult to find, but the one where the way is hard, but it leads to heaven? It's, it's one of the two gates that each of us have entered right now. And unfortunately, when we think of the false teachers, unfortunately, there's going to be some people that will believe them. These false teachers, they, they promise freedom, but they can't deliver it. They cannot deliver it. And I want us to focus for just a moment on this last phrase in verse 19. For whatever overcomes a person... To that he is enslaved. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. And I want you to hear me this morning when I say, church, that's the truth. That is the truth. Whatever overcomes you, you are a slave to that. Whether or not you realize it, but you are a slave to that. I want to give you just a few examples this morning. Perhaps you're a slave to social media. That's entirely possible. If you're not careful, social media will consume you. It will. It will consume you. Has it consumed anyone here this morning? Now, I'm going to tell you, and I'm saying this in love, but if we've got time to be on social media, we've got plenty of time to study God's Word. There is no excuse. And again, I'm saying that in love, but I'm preaching the truth this morning. If we've got time to spend hours a day on social media, we have no excuse not to spend serious time in the Word of God. That's just the way it is. We have no excuse anyway. As, as I said last week, we have priorities in our life, and it, it comes down to is the Word of God a priority in our life or not? And unfortunately for many people, the answer to that is no. Perhaps for some people who are hearing my voice this morning, the thing that you're enslaved to is alcohol. And you might even be thinking, well, that's an addiction. Yeah, it can be. It can be an addiction. But can I tell you some good news this morning? Jesus can break those chains of addiction. He can break those chains of addiction. Perhaps for some people this morning, it's drugs that have you enslaved. Possibly even prescription drugs. But there's also freedom from that this morning. His name is Jesus Christ. And I wonder, do you know Him today? Do you want that freedom We're going to be talking about that in a little more detail here in just a moment. But the New New Testament makes a distinction between people who are in the church and true believers in Jesus Christ. And can I tell you this morning, they're not always the same people. And I'm going to tell you, just to use the example of who we're talking about this morning. Remember, we're talking about false teachers. Where were they? In the church. 
They were in the church. Were they true believers? No, they were not. They were false teachers. So don't think just because you're in the church all the time that you're a true believer. I heard, I heard uh, in a sermon that I listened to earlier in the week from another pastor, he made a statement similar to this. He said, there are so many people in our world today that seem to want Jesus as their Savior, but they have no desire for Him to be the Lord of their life. And I think he's exactly correct. But can I tell you this morning, it don't work that way. It does not work that way. If he's your Savior, he's also got to be your Lord. You don't get to pick and choose. You get both when you truly get Jesus. Have, your, have you had a situation, have you had a time in your life where he has transformed your heart and your life? And if the answer to that is yes, then he is your Savior and he is your Lord. He is either Lord of all in your life or he's not Lord at all. Either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And finally, as we close today, we have a very, I don't know what even the word to use to describe what we're dealing with on the screen right now. Let's just say a very vivid example is what this particular chapter ends with. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. And the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. And I want to just hang out for just a minute on this concept of vomiting. And I'm going to use my life as an example. Very few times in my lifetime have I vomited. And I will tell you when I do, I don't think I'm far from death. I, I say that completely serious when I say that. In fact, I told Karen 30 years ago before we got married, I said, if you ever see me vomit, you need to make arrangements to get me to the ER quickly. And until the night of that fall festival here, just two or three years ago when I got choked on the hot dog, that was the first time she had ever seen me vomit in those 27 years or so. I am at the point of death when I vomit. Vomit is disgusting to me. It is revolting to me. Can you imagine, even if you don't approach vomit that way, can you imagine, I'm going to give you a really graphic illustration right now. Can you imagine vomiting right now on the floor and then laying down and licking your own vomit up? I don't think most of us can Imagine that. But can I tell you something? That's how your sin is in your life. If we've got unconfessed sin in our life, what we are doing, in effect, is we are laying down, wallowing in that dirty vomit, trying to consume it before anybody else sees it, and pretending it's okay. It is not okay. 
Hear me when I say it is not okay. Our sin is more dirty and more disgusting than that. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to justify it. The invitation this morning is going to be really simple. First of all, if you are hearing my voice right now and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should come forward today. Let us introduce you to this man named Jesus Christ. Will your life be easy after that? No, probably not. But there is no comparison in living a life with Jesus Christ versus living a life apart from Jesus Christ. Eternity is very sure. The only thing we don't know about eternity is when it's going to, when it's going to begin for us. But it will begin way sooner than most people think. So if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it, it, I truly believe, and you hear me say this frequently, I truly believe the process of inviting or asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. It's as, it's as simple as we teach children in Bible school. It's the ABCs of salvation. And if you're not familiar with that, I would be happy to explain that to you. And then also, perhaps... You have heard the message this morning, and you realize that to this point I've wanted Jesus as my Savior, but I hadn't really wanted Him as my Lord. And if that's you this morning, I pray that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will fall upon your lives this morning, and I pray that you will come forward and take care of that business with Jesus Christ this morning during the invitation Perhaps this morning you're here and you are carrying a burden. And I think that could describe many of us this morning. But can I tell you, burdens are lifted at Calvary. They are lifted at Calvary. I wonder, is there something this morning that has you enslaved? If there is, I pray that you will come forward this morning and kneel at the foot of the cross. Lay, lay that burden at Jesus' feet. Can I tell you, He is more than sufficient to handle it. More than sufficient to handle it. But sometimes we have to decide whether or not we want Him to handle it. Or if we think we can handle it ourselves. Let's surrender to Jesus this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word that is true. But I thank you for the vivid examples that Peter gives us throughout his writing. What I pray that it will catch our attention. What I pray specifically for people right now that are hearing my voice that, that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, may this be the day. That we, that we see salvation in this place. Father, I pray for people who are carrying a burden. For people that are possibly enslaved to something. Lord, I pray that this will be the day that those burdens are laid at the foot of the cross. Father, may we see you move mightily throughout this place today. May the power of the Holy Spirit fall. And Lord, again, I just pray that you will do the exceedingly abundantly more than our minds can think to even ask or imagine. And Father, may you receive the praise, honor, and glory for it forevermore.
And it's in Jesus' name I pray.